Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. And allow God to do the work in our heart. With a Bible message. Brother, I love you. I'm thankful you're here, man. Love you Appreciate too, you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man. We would talk more, but I guess Miss Priscilla needs her husband from time to time. so She doesn't share very much. So. <laughs> now, it, it, it's a blessing to have someone. Um, I've got just a few friends in my life. I, you know, I, I did, we didn't grow up necessarily in church. We were in and out growing up. So... I don't have a very traditional Baptist background, and so I began studying the Bible the way that Brother James, my pastor, taught me, who also doesn't have a very traditional Baptist background, and oftentimes what the Bible says can really be challenging to a more traditional <laughs> rah-rah-rah Baptist church, and so, um, and that's not to be antagonistic. Every one of us should be careful and be, should be studying and should be doing all that we can to try and make sure that we're not just following, you know, we want to follow men as they follow Christ, right. not follow men as they follow Methodist or Baptist or, or some other religion. And so, so we want to be, just be careful to do that. Um, I, I'm sure excited to be here. I, I, I have to tell you, I, I am terrified. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, I have preached in missions conferences. This is the first full missions conference that, that, that I have preached in, in this manner, in this way. And uh, like I told Brother Turgeon, I hope Brother Phil really knew what he was doing <laughs> and uh, asking me to do this. So um, I, I do have some things that I hope will be an encouragement to you. I hope will be a help to you. We're going to spend a lot of time in the Word of God. We're going to spend a lot of time uh, trying to get the Lord's perspective. And we're going to set that tone tonight. So, so the, the, the motto, if you will, or the, the idea is to enlarge your vision. And one of the more popular passages in the Bible, if you'll turn to Proverbs chapter 29, regarding a vision, um, will be found here. And, I, and it's going to be important to look at tonight from the onset so that we can kind of set the tone for the rest of the week. There are some things I want you to think about. There, there are some ideas I want to plant in your mind and in your head. And um, it won't be too long tonight. It, it, it'll be, hopefully, Lord willing, short and sweet. But the, the, 
But it, it'll, it'll prepare your hearts and minds for the, the nights to come. And I hope you'll come back, and I hope you will invite somebody else to come, another church member or someone who's not a church member, and have them come out and, and listen to the preaching and see what goes on in our churches and, and get involved in missions conference and, and the wonderful things that take place during this time. But um, Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision... The people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us, providing for us, meeting our needs. And even through a year such as this, dear God, you've been so good to us. We sure pray you help us tonight, stir our hearts and minds, help us to see the, the vision you've laid out in the word of God regarding missions should pray for these missionaries that you help them, strengthen them, encourage them. And, and uh, Lord, may you be honored and glorified here tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I try to write, you know, lay out a thesis statement whenever I put a sermon together because it helps me to try and stay focused and stay on track and not get off on rabbit trails. And so this is the idea that's going to be presented to you tonight. And it's probably giving it to you up front, but that, that's okay. We'll develop it and look at it and, and see if we can piece it all together. But a proper vision for God's people is developed from the law of the Lord. Now, there, there's, a, there's always a potential when reading this verse to approach it as though it's a, it's a motivational kind of thing. The, the, the layout of the verse and what's being said here would almost, you know, it's encouraging. It, it looks great on a poster, <laughs> It's, it's kind of a motivational thing. It, 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 it can almost force you to set goals and, and to look at, look at it from that perspective. But that's not, that's not necessarily what's happening here. We're going to get a bit technical here, but it's important. It's important to frame your heart and mind to prepare you for what, what needs to be done this week in your heart and in your mind. Um, the book of Proverbs is laid out in a very peculiar way. A common literary device found in it is that of comparison and contrast. But it does it in a very unprecedented way. Typically, when you contrast two things, you're you're trying to show how different they are. Now, the problem with, with that approach here in the book of Proverbs is the Lord will take two completely, radically different ideas and then join them together with a colon. And... The reason that's important is because when you put that cold in between the two of them, you have one idea over here, you have an antithetical almost idea over here, but you can't separate them. In order to get the entire complete thought that the Lord's trying to give you, that colon forces these two ideas to be together. That's why it's dangerous to teach half a verse in the book of Proverbs. Because when you only take half the verse, you're not getting the full picture. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong, and I'm not being critical of that. What I'm trying to tell you, what I'm trying to lay out for you is that when it comes to having a vision, a vision, the Lord is very specific on where you're going to get that vision from. You're not left to yourself to sit down and write out a five-year plan and try and develop this on your own. There is an expectation that you're going to go to the Word of God and allow that to put that vision together and allow that to put your approach together. Now, let, let, me, let me just, just to demonstrate the, the, the English lesson I'm giving you, look at verse 2 of chapter 29. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. That's, that's a beautiful idea. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But 
But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. That might bring some recent events to your mind, but we'll move on to verse 3. <laughs> Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father. But he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. You see how different the two ideas are. But the Lord puts them together because in order for you to fully grasp what he's trying to tell you, you, you need them together. You need to try and understand them in light of each other. And, and, and that's where you get your help. Look at verse 4. The king by judgment establishes the land, but Joe Biden receiveth, I mean, um, uh, <laughs> but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Moving right along. We're not going to spend much time on that tonight. This is missions conference. This is your opportunity to say, despite what the kingdoms of this world are doing, God has some work he wants us to do. And, and mind you, when this was written, it was under a, a, a king who told you when to get up and when to go to bed and how to live and all those wonderful things. And, 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 and the apostles, which we'll look at later this week, Lord willing, they turned the entire world upside down with Nero as their king. So we really don't have an excuse. Even when it's bad in America, it's still ten times better than it is in most places in the world. So, so we're not going to spend any time on that. We're not going to focus on that. So in light of this English les lesson, let's go back to verse 18. And, and I want to look at these together. We want to be, be, again, we're going to be very technical here. Put this together and then we'll move on. Verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's one complete thought. On the other side of that, along with that, along with that, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now let's, to, let's take the two antithetical thoughts and put them together. Where there is no vision goes along with he that keepeth the law. You see how this is, how this is developing? If you have no vision, it's because there's nobody there that's opening the word of God and helping you to develop that, that, that vision. And when, when there is a people who have no vision, like is probably true all over Thailand, like used to not be true all over Ireland, you, we, we like to read some of the greatest books you'll ever read from preachers probably came from, from the British Isles, but that's not true today. It's definitely true all over Uganda. There are people with no vision. And mind you, you know, we, we, think, we think of Uganda. We're going to go help the poor heathen in Uganda, right, who know that Homosexuality is punishable by life in prison. If you touch a child illegally or improperly one time, you get the death penalty. But we're going to go help them out. Whereas in America, we're kind of legalizing these things and making it all you know, part of everyday life. There are people with no vision all over the place. Right here in your town, right here in your country, possibly in your home, depending on how much time you spend in the Word of God. But the idea is, where there is no vision... It's because there's nobody there with the word of God. There is nobody opening this book and, and alleging, thus saith the Lord. That's why you have no vision. Then the other half of it is, the people perish. Alongside happy is he. Now you have to have all this to get the full picture of what the Lord is trying to say here and what he's trying to show you. And what I'm trying to tell you tonight, and what we're trying to develop here tonight, is that if you want to enlarge your vision... It's going to require you to get in this book and find out what God's expectations of you are. 
Now, when missions conference comes around and, and uh, any meetings like it, what people tend to do is they start running through their mind about what they can and what they can't do. But that's you relying on your vision. That's not you going to the Word of God and saying, well, Lord, what would you like me to do? Show me how to do this. When you already have 20 excuses up front, you're like, I know they're going to ask me for money, and they're going to tell me i got to read prayer letters and all this stuff. I don't want to do all that. Why not? You have no vision. You have no understanding of what the Lord requires of you, what the Lord... And you didn't mind it when someone came to you and gave you the gospel. That was a blessing, right? I've escaped hell. I'm just going to kind of kick back in the soft pew in America and ride it out. We, we can't let that happen. So the Lord raised up people like me to come and annoy you and tell you that he has high expectations of you and he demands a lot of you and you have the ability to do it. You have been enabled to be able to do it. The question is, will you submit to it? Will you find out what the Lord wants and will you do it? Yeah, I know it's deep. Now, goals are a good thing. Setting reasonable goals is an, is an important exercise to partake of, but, but the direction of your missions program is not, left, is not left to you just throwing out ideas. You're not looking at, at just trying to throw together a process. And I don't think that's your pastor's heart. We've had long conversations about missions and different, different conferences I've been to and that he's been to and different ways people have done things, and he's trying his best to form a biblical vision for a great church. I don't know if you know what you have here. If you, if you don't, I, I would encourage you, just take a Wednesday or a Sunday and go to another church down the road one night. <laughs> just check it out. If you don't come back, then you knew you were in the wrong place. <laughs> but if you have an understanding of how precious what you have here is, you'll be right back. Amen. And you'll say, I had no idea. I don't even know what they were doing. <laughs> They called it church, but there were girls jumping around on the stage and neon lights flashing everywhere. And it looked more like a, a nightclub or, or, or a rock concert. I had no clue where Jesus fit in any of that. But here you've got a Bible-believing church. You have a pastor who labors in the Word of God and tries to encourage you in the Word of God. And you've got a sweet spirit here and people that, that, that desire to know what the Lord would have them to do. That's dangerous for this world. <laughs> That's a dangerous combination to put together, and you have no idea what could happen, what the potential is. All it takes is a few people willing to do it. All it takes is a few people willing to put their nose in this book and say, man, I see, I see what the Lord wants me to do. I had this excuse over here why I didn't think I could do it, and we're going to address that later this week as well. But I decided to dismiss my excuse and say, you know, the Lord said do this, I'm just going to try it and do it. I'm just going to, as simple, as plain as it is, I'm just going to do what it says and we'll let the Lord bless, see how it works out. So that, that's, if you're going to have a vision, if you're going to put a vision together, this, this is how it gets put together. It's going to be strict from the Word of God. It's going to be very clear from the Word of God. It's not going to be, well, what's your idea and my idea and this idea and that idea? So what have you seen in the Bible? What have we seen other Bible-believing churches doing? What, what, what can we do to encourage our people to love missions and to get involved and to let this thing just take off like a rocket? And it's all going to come from the Word of God. Now, if a vision and direct, direction is desired, 
like I said, we must search the scriptures. Now, I, I want to, I I'm, I'm going to further illustrate this. And again, this is not deep, and I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. <laughs> but the more clear we are tonight, and the more ready our hearts are tonight for what's coming in the following nights, the easier this will be. The more encouraged you'll be. The more ready you'll be. The more prepared you'll be. Look at Psalm 119. A very, a very uh, popular passage. Most of you could probably quote it and probably even know where I'm going. Psalm 119, verse 105. Look at verse 104. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Now, how, how sweet is that? How clear and simple is that? I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. You're saying you have no understanding? I know where you could get it. I know where it could be found if you'll take the time to look for it. So, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, we, we, you know, probably, probably many of you in Sunday school probably memorize that passage. It's a popular passage. It's a familiar passage. But in light of what we're talking about tonight, in developing a vision, wouldn't it be good to have somewhere to get some direction? To get some light? To, to turn on some lamps that would lead the way? But you have it. You've had it the entire time. It's sitting right in front of you. It's the word of God. Amen. Now, Jesus Christ died to save sinners and then left you and I with the responsibility to get that information to lost souls. That's a, that's a big task. That's a big task. But you have been able, enabled to do it and I have been able to, enabled to do it and you have a church that is assembled together who has the desire to do it. So every one of us has the responsibility individually and as a church. And you're supposed to go to Jerusalem and Judea and, and Samaria and the uttermost. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more complicated and more difficult. And how in the world are we going to reach all these people? Well, you're going to take care of Jerusalem. And I would even say you're going to take care of Judea, maybe even Samaria. Otherwise, you could deputize some people. You could take some of the hard-earned money that, that you work hard for through the opportunities that God has given you, and you can give it to men so they can go around the world and preach the gospel to every creature, which you are responsible to do but can't do, so you can enable other people to go and take care of the areas that you have not been able to reach on your behalf. That's how God set this up. That's how it's laid out. Churches gave money to Paul. When Paul didn't have money, he got a job. <laughs> now, if I, I'm going to serve God, and churches have been very good to us. We raised 98% of our support in 13 months, which is almost unheard of. But if that support ceases, I may not end up in Africa, but I'll have a job somewhere serving God and working to earn the money that I need to make sure that that happens. Amen. That job is a, is a means to a spiritual end. It's not there so you can get a bigger car, more phones, bigger house, more property. That's not the point. That's not, that's not how this works. It exists so that we can come here, meet here together, 
take up the collections, give it to who needs it so that the gospel can be spread around the world. And that's on top of you telling people about Jesus Christ at work, at home, in the grocery store, at the gas station. Everywhere that you go, you should be telling somebody and everybody about Jesus Christ. We all have that responsibility, personally, individually, and collectively as a church. And so, when you want to know how to do that, you're not left alone. When you want to develop a vision on how to put that together, you're not left on your own to figure it out. He that keepeth the law of the Lord. God gave you his word. And he made clear to you he wanted you to, this was your objective. And all you got to do is go accomplish it. You know, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish there was like a valid excuse we could have sometimes. I have kind of a go-get-it attitude, so I tend to try and throw excuses out the window. I won't even offer one most of the time because I just feel stupid presenting it to you. But there are times when it seems unbelievably overwhelming. My wife just had a baby, in case you didn't know. You probably heard her crying up here. Her name is Bethany. By the way, we just learned that Miss, Miss uh, uh, Ferrans, her name is Bethany. My daughter was born October 5th, 2020. His wife was born October 5th, which is just interesting. And she's going to be a missionary, so I hope that provides high hope for, for my, my daughter. If I have my way, she'll be a force for this world to reckon with. But there was a point for me saying all that. I don't remember what it was, so we'll just move on. <laughs> I'm taking my wife to Africa. That's what it was. So we're going to Africa. We're, we're, we're going over there, and I'm taking my wife and my daughter to a country that is radically different from what we have here. It is, it is to, to sit sometimes and think about what could happen. Uganda is fairly secure, but things can ignite in a heartbeat in Africa. And then what am I going to do? I have no Second Amendment I have no, I have no, you're going to call the police? <laughs> they might be involved. <laughs> it's just how it is. Sometimes that is overwhelming to think about. That's my wife and my daughter. And if they harm them, instead of me spreading the gospel, you're going to have an international incident because some American went psycho in Uganda. Now, the Lord has protected us. We hit a deer the other night <laughs> on the way to a church and hit the deer, pulled over, got out, looked at the front of the vehicle. It smashed, got back in and drove the rest of the way to the hotel. <laughs> Both headlights are still on. <laughs> what I'm saying is the Lord is protecting us. The Lord has helped us. But it's not easy. Sometimes it's overwhelming to take, the, to take a look at this task and to consider what the Lord's asking you to do and if you're going to look at it in your own strength, which again, we'll look at again later this week, it's overwhelming. It's not easy. And then it's particularly more difficult when you already have 15 excuses laid out before missions conference ever got here. I'd encourage you to take those, set them aside. They're not worth dwelling on. And what I want you to think about tonight is how can I enlarge my vision for, 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 the, for the missions program at this church. What role am I going to play in making certain that this church is participating in the Great Commission? Both in my personal witness, because that is required, Amen. and in my financial giving, because that is also required. 
Now, nobody's going to make you. Your pastor isn't going to be standing at the door with a bag hanging it out, you know, with, or a whip behind your back. That's not the point. Has the Lord been good to you? Amen. How good? Real good or just a little good? Real good. How good do you want to be to him? I mean, does it stir your heart at all to think about what the Lord has done for you? Does it mean anything to think about what the Lord did? Just, just if, if we take away your temporal blessings in the United States alone, and just consider the fact that you will never see hell, and you have an inheritance. Ephesians 2 says you're seated in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus. Yeah. The Lord's been good, right? Amen. Amen. I guess we'll find out what that means to you this week. We'll find out this week if, if you really have any concern for what concerns the Lord. We'll see this week what your personal vision is and what the church's vision is collectively. That'll all be put on display this week. Now, don't do it for show. That's not the point. The point is, have you considered how good God is to you? And have you considered that men are dying and going to hell? They they step from this life to the next and they lift up their eyes being in torment. And you could affect that. From a little church in North Mississippi, you could help missionaries get all around the world if you will not, not give your money. That's not the point. You will give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll take all the excuses and set it aside and just say, Lord, whatever you would have me to do according to this book, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Look at Psalm 16, uh, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Just be reminded of it one more time. Verse 20. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord. There's that phrase again. Happy is he. Happy is he. Now I didn't say whoever gives their money to the Lord. Happy is he. It didn't say whoever gives their time, their effort, their energy. Do you trust the Lord? Do you trust that he knows what's best for you? I, I, I mean, think about it. Let's, let's simplify it in the most simple terms that many of you understand and that I'm learning. <laughs> when you have a child and you tell that child, don't do that, it's going to hurt you. You're not doing it to be mean. You're not doing it to show your control and your authority. You are trying to protect that child and teach them what is best for them. And you have a father in heaven. A father in heaven who, know, who absolutely knows what is best for you. And what he wants to do is to direct you in, 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 into such a lifestyle that it is prosperous and it is blessed and it is happy. Everybody wants to be happy, right? I mean, in, in, in a country where nobody's happy, everybody wants to be happy. Everybody thinks they have these perverted ideas about what happiness is. If I just had more money, if I just had a better car, if I just had that one thing, if I just had that one person, I would finally be happy. Anybody ever heard of Robin Williams? I mean, I'd say he had quite a bit. 
and he hung himself in his own mansion. That is not happiness. The Lord says, if you want to be happy, here's the prescription. Trust me. Trust me. Now, what does that mean? That means you get in this book, in this book, and it says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And even when it's difficult and when it's hard and when it might hurt people, I'm just going to be honest. Because you said not to, you said not to lie. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that that's right. And I'm going to be honest. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. When was the last time, you know, and, and I hate questions like this. I hate when preachers ask me questions like this, but I'm, I, you know, it just helps you think, you know. When was the last time you witnessed to somebody? Just, just went out of your way to go and tell somebody, can I, can I tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't mean when you win somebody to the Lord. I don't care about that. I don't think the Lord cares about that. He wants you giving the gospel and then he will work through that. Who was the last person you told about Jesus Christ? This, this, if, if, you know, th- th- what just happened recently in our political realm is going to be such a shock to Christians because I think they thought they had a Messiah. And he got, at least for now, dismissed. So now you got to look for another Messiah. Maybe it's the next Supreme Court. Maybe it's the next Congress. Maybe it's the next Senate. Maybe it's the next president. How about Jesus Christ? That'd be my suggestion. And if you don't get your hearts and minds out of that realm, you talk about a roller coaster, they can't even count ballots. And you're going to put your hope in that? The Lord Jesus Christ loves you. And he is unbelievably competent. And he wants you to trust him. He wants you to turn your life over to him, put your life in his hands, and to do what he's asked. And the end result of that, according to this passage, is you'll be happy. Everybody says that. I just want to be happy. Okay, trust the Lord. Well, I don't know about that. Couples, they get into it. And they go into the pastor's office. And, and, well, I just think the Lord wants me to be happy. Well, he does, but not on the terms that you're thinking of. You're causing your own misery. Amen. Happiness. You want to be happy? You want want this place to be happy? Trust the Lord. And do it together. Do what he says. Yeah, I know. You're like, man, this is some of the deepest preaching I've ever heard. I'm telling you, you, if you get this tonight, if you get this tonight, and and I know it's, it's, I have this wonderful gift of, trying to encourage people, and I just rip their faces off, and everybody's looking at me with this doom and gloom look, and it's Wednesday night, and I just want to go home and go to bed, but this guy's yelling at me and saying all this stuff about happiness. If you'll get this tonight, you'll have a fruitful conference. If you don't get this tonight, you're going to stay right where you were. So I hope you'll get some help tonight. Turn to Micah chapter 3. Let's get more specific in terms of of what we, what we learned in Proverbs um, 29, Micah chapter 3, it's right after Jonah, Micah chapter 3 and verse 1, <clears throat> verse 1, and I said, 
Hear, I pray you, O heads of Jacob and ye princes of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know judgment? Now, one of the common things people say is, oh, I just don't think the Lord wants us to judge. You need to read your Bible. The Lord rebukes people for not judging. There are two things people know from their Bible. There are two things scoffers and lost people know about the Bible. Judge not lest you be judged. I just hand them the Bible and say, show me where it is. And, of course, they can't. They have no clue what they're talking about. Or Jesus turned water into wine. (laughs) And I'll ask them, when was the last time you saw water ferment? And they just look at you like you just hit them in the face. They have no clue what that means. Verse 2. Who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones. That sounds like 2020 America. We have come to a place in this country where people vehemently defend unrighteousness. Some of the most perverted and extreme forms of unrighteousness. And if you say something about it, you're the bigot. You better stand firm in the word of God. And might I add, your, your response to, to, to uh, what they're defending should not be a Fox News ticker. And I know Fox offended everybody today, so you're going to go somewhere else. Don't use that news ticker either. Respond with the Word of God. Christians are responding with, thus saith Hannity, and thus saith Levin, and whoever else, instead of saying, thus saith the Lord. Why don't you interject some truth into these conversations and watch them tuck their tail and run away? They won't even want to talk to you anymore. You don't have to argue. Just say, well, Jesus said, well, I don't want to hear that. I'm leaving. (laughs) So... They hate the good, and they love the evil. That's the mindset of this world right now. And we're going to talk about the world later this week as well. Verse 3. Who also eat the flesh of my people, and flay their skin from off them, and they break their bones, and chop them in pieces, as for the the pot, and and as flesh within the cauldron. Then shall they cry unto the Lord. Now this is a place you do not want to be in. I want you to listen very carefully. I hear all the other stuff, you know, eating flesh and putting body parts in the pot. I mean, that's, okay, maybe you're not there yet. But this next part would be very important to pay attention to on an individual level and as a church. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. God said, I've seen what you've been doing, and it's disgusting. Do not pray to me. Not only do I not want you to pray, and he's talking to Jacob. These are his people. Not only do I not want you to pray to me, I'm going to hide myself from you. Sometimes, you, you know, you, you, you kind of, you feel like the presence of God is gone, and you feel alone, and you feel like things are wrong. It might be a good time to examine your life and see what's going on. What are you participating in? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? What's going on? Have you done something to make the Lord say, well, I guess he's decided to walk in darkness rather than light. I'm going to hang out over here in the light. He can go dwell in the darkness, but I'm not going with him. It's missions conference time. You want your heart to be right. You want to be ready to find out what the Lord wants you to do this week. Amen. This seems exciting. So (laughs) praise the Lord. Verse 3. Thus saith the Lord, 
concerning the prophets uh oh, that make my people err, that bite with their teeth and cry. Now, what are they? They bite with their teeth, but what do they cry? Peace. They bite with their teeth, but they cry peace. That is exactly where we are today. You could turn this place into a mega church overnight. If you throw out the Bible, throw out the standards, bring in the entertainment, make it a lot of fun, mention Jesus every now and then, or just the guy upstairs that you happen to love and think is cool. But if you're going to focus on the Word of God, there are going to be some standards, and there are going to be some requirements, and there are going to be some expectations in your life. But if you throw all that out, look, there are probably churches in this town that have four or 5,000 people. And they think, man, God must be blessing us. Look at all the people we have. Well, the New York Yankees have more than you. Memphis Tigers have more than you. I don't know that that's, an, I mean, that might be, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't watch sports. So if that offended you, I don't apologize. But, you know, it, it's, the point is, God, having a lot of people doesn't mean God is blessing you. Right. Being able to get people stirred up and excited about nothing. I mean, Jay-Z has a lot of people coming. I, I, I venture not to say that God is blessing what Jay-Z is doing. <laughs> so they bite, they bite with their teeth and cry, Peace, and he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. The prophets, the prophets, prepare war against God. Does that make any sense whatsoever? <clears throat> Verse 6 Therefore, night shall be unto you, that you shall not have a vision, and that's, that's where you don't want to be, and it shall be dark unto you, that you shall not divine, and the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. Then shall the seers be ashamed, and the, and the diviners confounded, yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. Now, the, the missions conference is not a show. You don't have these guys come here, and you don't have a preacher come here just, to, just for entertainment. Right. The question is, do you want to do... Are, are you ready to break free from the ill doings in your life? Are you ready to trust in what God wants you to do? Are you ready to live in such a way that pleases God? I'm not insinuating you're not, but, but in a crowd this big and online and all the people that will hear this at some point in time, something's going on in your life that you probably need to get rid of. Do it. Do it tonight and come back tomorrow ready to just do whatever God wants you to do. Prepare your hearts so that we don't end up in a place where God says, I'm not talking to them. I'm not giving them a vision. I don't care what they ask for. Look at how they live. Look at what they're doing. They claim to be my people, but they war against me. No, no, we want to turn our hearts over to God. Look at Jeremiah 14. Jeremiah 14. Jeremiah chapter 14, and we're going to see this idea again. And and God puts a lot of responsibility on men in positions of leadership. Men that are supposed to be preachers, men that are supposed to be missionaries. Uh, God is hard on them. Jeremiah 14, verse 14. Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets 
prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. Now, you know, in the book of Jeremiah, what the prophets were doing, Jeremiah would come and say, you violated God's Sabbath. You haven't done anything he's asked you to do. You won't repent. He's sending you into Babylon. You're going into captivity. You're leaving the promised land, and you're going to go live for 70 years in Gentile captivity. Then the prophets would come around behind him and say, peace, peace, where there is no peace. They say, I, I know that that preacher was mean, and he said all those mean things, and he's telling you're going into captivity, but I heard from God, and I just think the Lord loves us. And I just think the Lord wants us to stay here. And I just think the Lord is okay with everything that we're doing. What happened, what happened to Judah? Nebuchadnezzar came in and burned Jerusalem to the ground, burned God's temple to the ground, and then took Judah into captivity in Babylon. It, it, it went just like God said it was going to happen. And so then somebody like me or Brother Phil or, or one of these gentlemen get in a pulpit and they try and open the Bible and they have to tell you some of the difficult truths that God has in his word. And you say, I'm not coming back here. I'm going somewhere where they'll tell me, peace, peace. God loves you. There's a sign on the, there's a billboard in Orlando. If you drive, drive through there, it says, uh, God is not angry. There's another one that says, God sees you and he loves what he sees. Isn't that sweet? I wonder what the pedophile thinks when he rides by and, and reads that sign. I wonder what a murderer thinks. I wonder what a woman who just had an abortion thinks when she drives by and sees that sign. Oh, God, God, God loves what he sees. It must be okay. That's a bunch of lying prophets misleading God's people. And what God expects of us is to stand in a pulpit, act like a man, open this book, and tell you what it says. Now... Mission's conference is serious. It's so serious, you're, we're literally discussing this week the impact you might have in the lives of thousands upon thousands of people who could hear the gospel because you enabled people to go and do it. It's not something God's going to toy with. That's right. It's not something God's going to play with. Neither should you. Look at Jeremiah 23. Now some of you are like, I mean, did Brother Phil mean to bring this guy up here? Verse 16. Jeremiah 23, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. Man, that. (laughs) They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart. And not out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, if I were to get up here today, now, this could have gone many different ways. It could have been probably far less somber. And many of you might have been smiling at me. But if I stand up here and I don't open this book and I don't, I don't introduce some sobriety into the room about which we're about to approach... I could have just, you know, we could have, it could have been far more joyous and happy and we could just pretend like none of this really matters and it's just a part of the show. That would be me taking what's in my heart 
and trying to impress it upon you. Not me opening this book. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. But if I will introduce you to what the law of the Lord says about this topic, maybe it will encourage your hearts to do it. That's good. Amen. I have no responsibility to mislead you or to point you in the wrong direction. But it's not always easy to stand up here and, 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 and to say some of these things and to point these things out. And I do love you. I do. This is a great church. We enjoy coming here. But man, it, it would be great to get to Uganda and find out that this church in its missions, in the area of missions, is just flourishing. Yeah. And as a result of that, God is just blessing in so many different ways and in so many different areas because you gave yourselves over to supporting missionaries all around the world. So let, let's examine the, this idea in light of missions. Your pastor has a desire to see this church enlarge its vision. It's your second missions conference. Your second missions conference. The second time this type of idea is brought before you for the purpose of you determining how the Lord would have you participate. And th- this is one of the things that I, I almost feel a, uh, it's important to, to present to you early on. Put it that way. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get this out of the bag. Because what people do is, what some churches do and some pastors do is they kind of they slip the idea onto their church that this is going to happen year after year after year after year. And you're going to be expected to give more and give more and give more. And people hear that and they're like, what is going on? <laughs> what are you talking about? At what point in your lifetime will world missions be accomplished and finished? So then at what point will you be off the hook to fulfill your responsibility to the Lord Jesus Christ? It's a yearly responsibility. It's a yearly commitment. And God expects you to be faithful in it. This is not me trying to get, I get none of the money that comes out of you. That's not the point. And if you think about it like that, they're just trying to get our money. If that's how you think about it, you shouldn't give anything. You just take another year, think about this, get to know the Lord some more. Because that, that's a, that, that, it, that is evidence of a different problem in your heart. Your unwillingness to let go of money so that the Lord Jesus Christ can be pleased by sending missionaries around the world, that's a heart problem. And the more you get to know the Lord and the more you see his desire to save souls. You know what they did to him? The Bible says they plowed his back. You ever seen a field that's been plowed? That was his back. His visage was marred above any man. I can't, even, I can't even express to you what that must have looked like. When John saw him in heaven, he said, I saw a lamb as though it had been slain. The Lord went pretty far for you. He went pretty far for you. And what he's asking you to do, what, what he's asking you to consider doing is to examine the areas of your life where money is going out, where it may not need to, and say, you know, I could stop that and I could help missionaries get on the mission field. And then next year I'll find another area where there's a, there's a, there's a loose hole and we'll plug it up and we'll take that money and we'll redirect it to world missions. And then the next year I'm going to do it again. And the next year I'm going to do it again. 
Because Jesus Christ died for those souls. And the Holy Spirit is not Casper the friendly ghost roaming around the earth looking to scare people into church. The Spirit and the bride say come. And if the bride is not participating, the Spirit's just sitting here in this room with us hanging out. That's not where he wants to be. He wants to be out there. He wants to be out there preaching to people, telling people about Jesus Christ so they can come in here and allow the Word of God to put their lives together and allow your love for them to put their lives together and allow your example to help put their lives together. This is bigger than just winning people to Christ. How many people do you know that have been one to the Lord and never stepped foot in church? Now, I'm not going to suggest they didn't get saved, but that's not the end of the matter. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. They need the Word of God. Otherwise, they just pretty much carried on exactly as they were going. There was no change. There was no difference. Whether they were saved or not, you can find a 10 million debates. Go join one. I'm not, we're not doing that tonight. But I'm telling you, there are plenty of people who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, never got in church, never got the help they need, and their lives remained a, a disaster. You're far more valuable than you think you are. Has the Lord taught you how to be a husband? Lord taught you how to be a wife? Lord taught you how to hold a job? Lord given you favor at work? Lord done many incredible things in your life that you could then take and help somebody else learn to do those things? It's not just that, well, the pastor's going to talk to him. <laughs> what about you? What about your participation? So, a vision. We want a godly vision. God is asking you to recognize that he has prospered you throughout the year. And then he's asking you to consider what you might give out of what he has given to you. And what other world does it work like that? What if the bank called you and said, you know what? <laughs> We're going to give you money and then you just decide what you want to give to us. Maybe this is a trick. <laughs> it's a setup. That's what the Lord's done. He said, you know what? Here, here's your money. Enjoy it. I have some biblical principles on how I'd like you to spend it. But when missions conference comes around, and when your church has a need, and when somebody in your church has a need, I expect that you're going to minister to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to tie it together a little more closely related to missions. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, another familiar passage. John 3 and verse 16. Now we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the Bible often, the Bible says expressly that, that, that the goodness of God should lead you to, repent, to repentance. The love of Christ constraineth us, Right? Verse 16, for God so loved the world, the world. We're going to talk a lot about the world tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, I'm going to give you a vi tonight, tonight, where there is no vision. So we've got to battle these ideas and these mentalities, and we've got to, we've got to tear them down, and we've got, to, we've got to point you to the word of God. And I understand you, you, this is foundational. You already know this. But I have, to, I have to hammer that tonight so tomorrow night we can get a vision of the world. And then the night after that, we're going to get a vision of the field. And then the last morning, Sunday morning, 
you're going to get a vision of the cost. But tonight, you have to tear this down and you have to see, see it from God's perspective. If you read Philippians chapter 2 and you read through it and it says, let this mind be in you. The word mind in some form is repeated six or seven times in Philippians chapter 2. Because that's where the battle is. It's, it's, the Lord has, this is the problem, this, is, this, is, this, is, this flies in the face of what I call American Christian welfare. We have this idea God's going to do everything for us. God has enabled you with enough personal agency to be able to do it for yourself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who's doing the letting? You are. That you be like-minded of one mind and of a sound mind. Repeatedly, it tells you, the battle is right here. Remember, we started off talking about, but, but I, I, you know, I, I can't give money because I have all these bills. I have, I have all these excuses. I can't talk to people because I'm shy. I can't do this. I can't do that. I, I have a list of excuses for why I can't fully participate already laid out. What the Lord's telling you to do is, you have your mind made up in the wrong direction. And he's asking you, he's telling you that if you want to enlarge your vision to unmake up your mind regarding those things, or at least set them aside and, and move it in the Lord's direction. Back to verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Where do people perish? Where there is no vision. People perish. There's nobody to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. People perish. When there's nobody to give the gospel, people perish. When there's nobody to say, thus saith the Lord, people perish. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light, what is light? What is the lamp? It's the Word of God. Where do we get our vision? The Word of God. What happens when there is no vision? People perish. What happens when people obey the law of the Lord? They're happy. No smiles. All right. <clears throat> and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Question. How do you help men that love darkness to come to the light? Somebody has to go fight those battles. They love darkness. They want to be there. They want to stay there. If you, go around, if you go around North Mississippi and Memphis, Tennessee, if you go around a lot of Mississippi and a lot of Tennessee, and you tell people about Jesus Christ, they're going to tell you, I already know. I don't want to hear it. They've heard it repeatedly. And what they're telling you by that is, I, I, I've seen the light you've presented, and I'm going to hang out in the darkness, and I'd appreciate it if you didn't turn the light on. I want to stay here. I want to perish. I don't want the word of God in my life. I don't care. And you're supposed to show up with that awkward smile and just keep telling them. I know you said you didn't want to hear, but let me just show you this one thing. 
Let me just tell you this one story. But then it goes on. Men love darkness rather than light because... I love when the Bible does that. It it gives you this statement that seems like a pretty clear statement. Then he says, because. They are condemned already because (laughs) they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Men loved darkness rather than light because... Because... Their deeds are evil. So when our country says, of course we want abortion, why would you be surprised? When they say, of course we expect that two men can be married, why would you be surprised? Their deeds are evil. It follows the course of this world. The problem that we have is we kind of turn and go with the course of the world a little bit. And then when it takes us too far down the road or further than we expected to go, we're like, wait a minute. You can't do that. That's, that's ungodly. Well, sir, you're in the darkness. This is what we do over here because our deeds are evil. And instead of standing over here and preaching the gospel into the darkness and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ and then doing all that you can to enable others to be able to go and do that, we just kind of drift along with them. A little bit of TV, a little bit of talk radio, a little bit of politics, a little bit of Dancing with the Stars, a little bit of whatever else is on television. I don't have a television, so if Dancing with the Stars is not on television anymore, I apologize. <laughs> the point is, you're, you're, you're off track. Yeah. And so tonight, this week, is a wonderful opportunity to jump back on track. I, 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 may, I may have said this here before, I'm not sure, but my pastor says, and I, I, you know, I advise you to take him up on it, he says the best way to clean up a television is to put it in the tub and turn the water on. And if you come here tomorrow and you tried that, don't be mad at me. <clears throat> Verse 21, but he that doeth truth, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. That they are wrought in God. Do you want to please God? Amen. Do you want to know that the way, that the way you're living is wrought in God? Do you have that desire at all? If you really think about it, it's a scary thought. It's a scary thought. And the reason it scares us is because I think all of us kind of like the darkness just a little bit. Just a little bit. And we're afraid if I get too close to the the light and I allow the Lord to see a little too much or show me too much about myself, I'm probably not going to be too happy with what I see. But it's missions conference time. And we're trying to develop a vision. And so we've got to tear down all this darkness and we've got to tear down all this ungodliness. And, and, and you've got to have a jolt like tonight or, or a lack of a jolt like tonight <laughs> to help break down the insanity you've dealt with this entire past year. There is, there, and I'm, I'm 39 years old. I have never seen a year like this year. But did you know that people still got saved this year? Do you know the word of God still went out this year? It was hindered greatly, but it still went out. You know, many of you still came to church and heard preaching from the Word of God this year. A lot happened this year. A lot of things changed this year. And we don't know what it's going to do to the world, but it should not change you. 
It should not affect you. You should not be sitting around terrified of what's going to happen next and what's coming next because you have a solid rock to stand upon. You have solid ground to stand upon. And if you want to know that your, your, your deeds are wrought in God, if you want to be happy, if you want to have a proper vision when it comes to missions, this week is your opportunity to do that. This is your time. It's your opportunity to do what God would have you to do and to do it the way that God would have you to do it. But if you don't come here focused, if you don't come here focused, if you don't get rid of the distractions, if you don't remove all the shiny and sparkly and loud things that are going on, this is not going to go anywhere. I love preaching. I'm happy to come and do this. Maybe tomorrow night you'll smile a little more. But what this church needs is a vision that is focused on the Word of God, that is grounded and rooted in the Word of God. And if you're going to enlarge that vision, that means diving deeper into the Word of God, giving more of yourself to the Word of God. He must increase. I must decrease. That's the opportunity you have this week. My question to you tonight, will you take advantage of it? Will you come back every night ready and hungry to do what God wants you to do? If you will, you will get a tremendous blessing this week. If you won't, you're going to stay right where you are. And that vicious cycle is just going to keep, just going, to keep going. Let's break out of it tonight. Amen. All right. As we pray, brother, would you come? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.